Stay tuned tonight as we talk about last night's debate. We talk about, well, I talk about, because I'm just me here, but anyway, I talk about last night's debate. I talk about flying squirrels. I got a special treat for you guys tonight on the Phobismist, and I want to talk about the morality of voting as well. It's something that's been heavy on my heart over the last week, and I would like to bring that to y'all's attention. So stay tuned for that tonight on the Unframe of Mind show. You're listening to the Unframe of Mind show, the place to have the most mind-stretching, unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life. Your hosts battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth, reason, and evidence over safe room walls. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Unframe of Mind show, where we have uncomfortable conversations without a condom. I'll be your host, Daniel Wagner, and this will be your place for highbrow ideas and lowbrow packaging. So stay tuned as we get into our topics for the night. And before we get started, I just want to go ahead and uh, hop right into the Phobismus. How about that? Phobismus. 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 All right. And on tonight's episode of the Phobismus, I want to talk about how offensive henchmen are. Henchmen. Incredibly offensive, these guys. Not the henchmen themselves, but the name we call them. I mean, in today's modern world, with all of the different gendered names we try to call people, I mean, you would think at some point we would eventually call them henchpersons, you know? I'm, I, I think it's, I think it's very, um, very sexist to call henchmen henchmen, and I really think a lot of men, honestly, are really offended by it. I've actually heard a bunch of men complaining about this. Like, I was sitting there with my with my friend the other day. We were sitting there just having lunch, you know, on the construction site. He turns to me, says, you know what, man? I can't, I, can't, I, I just can't, man. I said, what's wrong, buddy? Go ahead, you can tell me. Had a little tear come in his eye, and I was like, man, are, are you all right? He said, no, nah, I, I was watching my favorite movie last night, Austin Powers. I said, dude, that's, that movie sucks ass, first of all. I tried watching it. I can't stand it. He had a second tear come because of that, because he's a very sensitive guy. But he said, he said, henchman, what's up with that? I'm like, what kind of, what kind of Seinfeld '90s delivery on your jokes? I'm like, what is that? I was offended by that. I mean, we just, we just sit around and be offended all day. But he's like, we, we call them henchmen. Why do we call them henchmen still? I mean, this is 2020. We should definitely be calling them henchpersons by now. I mean, we all know henchmen. We probably are henchmen of some sort. But. You know, let's let's have a little sensitivity to it. Matter of fact, I think hench persons is not even the right thing, right thing to call them. Honestly, there's really something better that I came up with. And let's see what you guys think about this particular name. But I really think we should start calling them employed persons of other persons of less than moral intent. What do you all think of that? You think that would be a good name to call hench persons? Employed persons of other persons of less than moral intent. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. It makes it where, you know, nobody Nobody can be offended by that. Surely, surely nobody can be offended by that. If you can be offended by that, please tell me in the comment section. Let's get back to the show. All right. So, so Lady Della says it's rare to see women breaking kneecaps. You know what? You're, you're, you're right. Except for wives. I'm pretty sure there are many wives out there that are breaking kneecaps on the daily. I mean, I've seen men walking around. None of them are all walking straight. And you can't tell me these guys are all working hard jobs where they actually hurt their knees or something. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. All right. Well, let's let's start with the debate. The, the, the moderator. What was her name? Kristen Welker, the debate, the moderator from last night. Honestly, I think she was she was a lot more fair than the previous 
Chris Wallace. He was blatantly in, in Biden's corner. But I did notice quite a few times she was really, really laying into, not laying into Trump so much, but coming to Biden's defense. Every time Trump started to drop nukes, she would interrupt him and then give the floor to, to Biden and make sure, absolutely sure, that, whoa, 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 we don't want to talk about all that corruption stuff. No, we don't, we don't know nothing about all the millions of dollars that Biden's making from his, from, for his family. No, we don't want to hear about that. No. Anyway, so it was, it was just interesting to see. Every time Trump started to drop nukes, <laughs> Kristen would jump in and white knight for Biden and basically try to interrupt, interrupt the flow of, of consciousness there. And it was like, I think I noticed about four or five times. I'm like, you know, that this is, I mean, it's not blatantly obvious as Chris Wallace was, but good Lord, lady, you need to like back off a little bit. Give him, give him time to speak. Let him, let him talk, you know? Um, Lady Della, she says she gave Biden time to clarify his thoughts. She was so blatantly biased. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, oh, the facial expressions from the debate. Yeah, that was weird. Um, the, the body language alone, if I was a body language expert, this, I would have no problem tearing this thing apart. Like literally you, you look at this thing and you're like, Trump just seemed to be like, ah, whatever, you know, I got this. I know my facts, you know, I'm confident. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm taking up space in the room. I'm very present. I'm here. I know what I'm talking about. These are the things we're doing. This is my plan to which Biden later says Trump has no plan. That was funny. But then you look at Biden and it's like he's, he's very, he's got this very meek kind of timid body language. Like he's struggling really hard to make sure that he can string together words in an appropriate manner to make sense. And he's trying really, really hard not to gaff live on a, on a, on a big debate stage like that. The mic was barely cut for Biden, you say on YouTube. Um, yeah, um, I, you know what? I noticed that, that that's one thing I do appreciate. Now, maybe I, maybe I just didn't notice it, but I kind of. I kind of liked the two minutes solid of no interruptions, like cut off the other guy's mic for just the two minutes and that's it. That's, I was okay with that. We'll, we'll go ahead and, and leave them on for the rest of the time. Like, okay, fine. I can deal with that. And, and actually it kind of made it a little more of an enjoyable experience to watch, to actually listen. And I was sitting there wondering, I'm, I'm like, man, I wonder how many people who have never seen Trump speak for two minutes straight <laughs> like how how many people finally had an opportunity or or were forced rather to watch Trump speak for a solid 2 minutes cuz think about it usually you know if you're on the left or or on the right people don't they, they do it on both sides so don't don't get me wrong I'm not trying to pick on just one side but when you when you hear something that your your political opponent says you go online you're like you know if if you can make it past the headline Please, people, at least make it past the headline if you're going to do some research. But you go over, you check the link, and you, you watch a little 30-second or 10-second clip of, of the person saying what you thought he said. Probably take it out of context. And you're like, yes, I got him. He said that shit. I heard it. I seen it for myself. I know that shit happens. And now I'm going to go be a keyboard warrior for a while, and I'm going to like let everybody know how amazing I am because I saw my political opponent just totally eat dirt. Like, dude, you, you got you to quit doing that, first of all. But that is interesting, though. How, how many people, for the first time since Trump has been president, have, have they finally seen him speak uninterrupted for two minutes straight? I mean, I don't know. You, you take that for what it is, but it might have actually helped him more than it would have hurt him. I think two minutes uninterrupted hurts Biden and helps Trump, if I'm being perfectly honest, because 
I don't know. It just seems like every time Biden would speak, it just he was really struggling. Like it was just his his thoughts were like coming to him just barely moments before he got him out of his mouth. <laughs> it's really weird. All right. Oh, uh, you say the mic was cut twice for Trump. All right. I did not notice that. I didn't hear about it. Um, if it was, that really sucks. And and I wouldn't be surprised. But overall, I didn't notice any blatant, obvious moments that that happened. But then again, I was also live tweeting and everything else. So it's very possible I missed that. Um, I did like that they weren't talking over each other. It was throwback to the 80s style debates. I just wish the mod wasn't such a tool. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? I mean, can you imagine in a world... <laughs> where a moderator actually plays the disinterested third party actually plays the part of somebody who's being completely fair and just being a moderator not taking sides not jumping into white knight for your your hero up there on stage that's that's ridiculous all right i, I do want to i do want to ask you guys hang on let me see here we got that one all right i i thought it was interesting if you guys heard uh, Dan Bongino's analysis of this, I thought it was really interesting because he he said, you, you got to look at this from the perspective of the left. And I'm like, all right, I'm listening. What do you got? He said, think about this. You attend a Biden rally and Biden is there saying, yep, we're going to start the Green New Deal. We're going to cut, uh, uh, cut off fracking. We're going to stop the oil industry and, and phase it out. And then... Trump makes him right there on the debate stage say, I never said that. You can bring up the video. I never said we're going to eliminate fracking. And eh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling that maybe we got some, uh, some people on the left that heard that for the first time and said, oh, this lying motherfucker. <laughs> he sat there. He told me at that rally I just attended that they're definitely going to be cutting fracking. I'm going to bring up a link here for that. All right. We've got, let me make sure I get this correct, 155.32. All right. Let me, now we let have me, to have, let me allow fracking. Vice President I Biden to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. You said it on I, tape. I did. Show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on the website. The fact of the matter is Show he's flat lying. Put it on the website, he says. So what do you say? What do you say we go ahead and just put it on the website? Because I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that he has, in fact, said this. What do you think? <laughs> for any of you for any of you that's paying attention, this is like common knowledge. But for those who haven't been paying attention and they only hear the one side, they're like, oh, okay, I get what's going on here. Please stall is not gonna be happy. The and any Oop, we need 33. They hate American energy and Joe Biden will shut it all down. He's going to tonight. I want to. All right. So he, sure it's eliminated. All right. So this is at a, a campaign rally and he plays a video of him and uh, Biden and Kamala, you know, just here we go. No, we would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. I'd gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Oh, well, like what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. new pipeline infrastructure? Yeah, and, new pipeline. And, and, exactly. and they, they want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. 
All right. So I noticed in the comments here, Dadova from uh, DLive says Biden said that a while ago and things are uh, subject to change when knowledge finds better solutions. You know, I'm abs- you know, you, that's absolutely correct. And if this wasn't just, you know, you just saw in the clip there, that was Kamala Harris stating that after she'd been picked for VP, it wasn't that long ago. And you're not going to tell me that in the middle of a political season that suddenly we found some brand new information that says, oh, well, we maybe we need to update our policies on this. I don't know. I don't think that's very likely. I think more than likely what's happening is just normal political posturing and lying. You know, you get in front of an audience, you speak to the audience, you tell them what they want to hear. It's what a politician does. And it's, it's, they're famous for doing this since the beginning of time. So I, I do, you know, I do appreciate that you're trying to defend Biden on that. Um, I just don't think he, it's been quite the time horizon necessary for that particular statement to be true. So as you saw there, yes, he did say it. She said it. They're for it. Or they're not for it. Either way, I see, here's the problem. You don't know. I don't know if they're for it or not. He seems to be very confident in saying that he's not for it. I don't really, I don't know. This is fun stuff. All right, so we're going to move on to, uh, see, now here's another thing that really stood out to me. I don't know if you guys noticed this or not on the on the uh, debate, but it seemed like Joe Biden kept on, like, using this real, like, folksy language, like, I know, it was weird. This isn't about, there's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not. Okay, first of all, again, like I said, he's struggling to talk. Like, holy crap, is he struggling so hard? (sighs) Like, I I mean, okay, to be fair, you can go back and look at some of my early episodes of this show, and I would stutter my way through many thoughts because I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Maybe maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But um, I noticed a lot of words like folks and malarkey, and he's like talking almost like this Andy Griffith era type language and vocabulary. It's really weird and like... Again, I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but he's, he's been saying like, come on, instead of come on, man, it's been come on, folks, come on, folks. And it's that same, it, it kind of harkens back to the, the Obama era when he would kind of talk with that type of language, you know, all right, listen here, folks, this is, this is like, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't, I think when you're, <laughs> if you're trying to condescend to people, you call them folks. I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just over, overthinking it. I don't know. All right. So uh, Lady Dell, just like Joe said. He never took money from foreign countries. Guess he never heard of money laundering. Yeah, that was another thing, man. Um, and I tweeted about that last night. I was like, okay, yes. He's, he said, I never took any money directly from foreign... But Trump didn't say that. Trump said, your family. He said, your family. Biden never defended the family. <laughs> he never said, my family never took money. Mm-mm. Oh, says, uh, can be real confident saying something when you can't remember what happened before your last quaalude. <laughs> <laughs> See now that's that's the that's the benefit of being, you know, an upper class society. You still have access to quaaludes. I've heard a lot of good about it. I've never had the chance to try them. Dadova for sure. LOL slander rules politics, which is why Trump owns everything he says. I I I you know what? It, it's it's the way the whole political system works, man. Um and and uh what what was it? who was it said uh, uh politics is the art of the possible. And, you know, I think the best guy that, that, that can get up in front of people and, and, and actually spell out a vision for what's possible in the world is the guy that takes the most votes. You know, the guy that, you know, at least that's how it used to be. But here nowadays, man, it's like, 
I don't know. You, you you got just two guys just talking shit about each other the whole time, just slandering one another back and forth. It's like we the people want to hear what it is that you plan on doing for this country. Now, to be fair, Trump's had the last four years to kind of show what he can do for this country and wants to do for this country. And also, to be fair, Biden was a vice president for eight years. He's had a chance to show his work, too. So maybe that's all that's left is just, you know, make this guy look worse than the other one. And people will just be so repulsed. Uh, I think if any any kind of uh, political system where this is the kind of thing that we're having to talk about is, is no winning political system at all. Matter of fact, the Commission on Debates, the Commission on Presidential Debates there, and I looked that up and I'm, and I'm like, well, um, it's talk, talking about how they have been ran by the Republicans and Democrats for since 1987. And I'm like, man, these, de- these, these debates have not been fair for people since I was three. I was three years old the last time that a third party actually had a, a decent opportunity, a somewhat fair opportunity to participate in the debates. But now the debate commission is ran by the Republicans and Democrats. It's something that they both are very, very careful to tightly control. You ought to think about that next time you're going to vote. So Stacy says he has a stutter that he was born with. He fought through it. This is no, not new. Okay, um, that might be true. I don't hear that as stuttering. I have heard people who do actually have a stutter, and I think that's, again, I don't think that's it. Um, There's a big difference between somebody with a legitimate stutter. Now, I'm no medical professional, so just, you know, take, take what I say with a grain of salt. But I've heard people with actual stutters. And I hear people getting stuck on a word and they just can't get out. They, like their thoughts are, you know, they know what they're thinking, but they're just stuck on a word and literally can't get it out. This is different. This is, this is the same kind of feeling I have when the same kind of manner of speech when I am literally trying to think of what to say as I say it. I don't know. So Joe ke- just kept promising money. Where will this money come from, Joe? It's always the question. Another reason I don't vote. We'll get that to that later. I feel like third parties are squashed completely this round. Not even a chance. It was as if they planned this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is exactly planned. And the last time somebody was uh, actually able to participate in the presidential debates, immediately thereafter, the, the R's and D's got together and changed the rules. So you had, you know, made it even more difficult for somebody to be able to get in. Honestly, I think Trump would have ran under third party if there was an actual viable opportunity for a third party to not be controlled their way right out of the debates and right out of this whole race. Okay. So, Stacy, please listen to his 1993 Senate speech. No stuttering from Joe. Okay, so Becky, yes, you, you, you work with... Uh, Special needs kids. She says that wasn't stuttering. I work with kiddos who have that disability. Okay, so again, um, like I said, I'm no medical professional. I don't work directly with people, but I've I've heard the difference between stuttering and 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 not being able to collect your thoughts and trying to collect your thoughts. And, and yeah, that's a lot of pressure. I don't know that I would do any better in that particular situation. I don't I don't have the political capital or political zingers to throw at my opponent. I would be probably doing the same thing. Push come to shove. Let me make sure I got all of my notes here. 
Please, and then seconds. I have a question. No, number one. All right. He says that we're, uh, you know, we're learning to live with it. People are learning to die with it. You folks home will have an empty chair at the kitchen table this morning. All right. Do I, I do need to point this out. This is when they were talking about COVID-19 and how people are dealing with it. Trump says we need to live with it. We need to move on with our lives. Biden goes to the fear-mongering angle. And notice how when he says things like this, he, he's, he's been trained, I think, to look directly at the camera, point at it. You, you've seen him do this in the last two debates. He'll look directly at the camera, and what comes out of his mouth is always an appeal to emotion. It's always some kind of tugging at the heartstrings to get the voters to go, oh, that person next to me that was, yeah, just, just watch. That man or wife going to bed tonight and reaching over to try to touch their, out of habit where their wife or husband was, is gone. Learning to live with it. Come on. We're dying with it because he has never said, he said, you said it's dangerous. When's the last time? Is it really dangerous still? Are we dangerous? You tell the people it's dangerous now? What should they do about the danger? And you say, I take no responsibility. Let me talk about your... So, yeah. Um, and he did this a number of times during the first debate as well. He sat there and looked straight at the camera, addressing the people making eye contact because that's a pretty powerful way to go ahead and, and, and deliver a message when you're trying to tell somebody something and you tell them a heartfelt story about the time that that person next to you that you can you, you know you can no longer touch and this is Trump's fault it's definitely Trump's fault he was responsible for all 200,000 millions and millions of deaths and that's what Trump did and and you should be scared of him and it's like dude you got to back it off back off the rhetoric back off the sophistry and shit come on you know I, I feel bad that people fall for it. I really do. And I feel even worse that we have a system that relies on that working. That people who fall for that shit have a vote just like any fucking buddy else. That's ridiculous. Tabitha, welcome to the stream. She's on Facebook. Says it's ridiculous when Biden basically claims if Trump wasn't uh, president, a, a single person wouldn't have died. Now, I don't think he was saying that. I don't I don't get the sense that he's claiming that Trump is responsible for every single death and if 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 he was president that he could have saved every life. I I never got the sense that he was saying that. And I think that might be more right-wing rhetoric that's being passed around. I have seen that and I I don't think anybody's actually making that argument. All right, in the last clip I wanted to play bring it on up that'll be oh yes this part here i died laughing so hard oh my god i died laughing so hard so they're they're having a discussion and you'll you'll notice this this kind of awkward silence for those of you who haven't seen this just just watch you're gonna like this i just asked one question why didn't you do it in the eight years a short time ago why didn't you do it you just said i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do this you put tens because of thousands of mostly black young men in prison. Now you're saying you're going to get, you're going to undo that. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years with Obama. You know why, Joe? Because you're all talk and no action. All right, Vice President because Biden, and then we're going to move on to the next section. We had a Republican Congress. That's the answer. Well, you okay. Gotta talk, you got to talk them into it, Joe. All right. You got to talk them into it. We're going to move on to our next yeah. section. Like I did with criminal justice reform. <laughs> you got to talk them into it, Joe. Joe. <laughs> I got this. I got this vision of like, like, Dad bending over. And he's got his hands on his knees, and he's like, "Come on, sweetie, you can do it. You can do it. I'm so proud of you." <laughs> it's like, good lord. 
Lord, man. <laughs> that, that awkward silence. And all, Bi- all Biden tried to do was say, uh, uh, the Republicans did it. Republican Congress, they did it. It's their fault. And he just like looked like he just won the fucking round. I'm like, oh my God, that freaking had me rolling. And I didn't even pay attention to the next five minutes. I was laughing so hard. Holy shit. You got to talk him into it, Joe. Oh my God. That, that for there, that line right there made the whole night worth it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we're going to move on to the next topic here. Um, I got a story about flying squirrels that po- popped up across my feed. This is completely random. All right, in this story, seven people have been arrested in connection with an elaborate scheme to traffic flying squirrels out of the U.S. I don't know if anybody saw this story. I don't really care if you saw the story, but you're seeing it now because this is this is so strange that I don't know. I, I had to click the link. So seven people were arrested for a scheme. This is from uh, MSN.com. Seven people were arrested for a scheme to traffic flying squirrels, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission announced. An investigation showed that over 3,000 squirrels were trapped over the course of three years The dealers organized a scheme to move the squirrels across Florida, Illinois, and Georgia before they were ultimately transported to Asia, according to officials. So, okay. Last January, the FWC launched an investigation into a complaint from a citizen who was concerned individuals were illegally trapping the animals, which are often dubbed gliding squirrels because they have the capacity to glide through the air between trees. I'm sorry. The first thing I thought... Okay, yeah, lady, that's that was my question too. To Asia for fucking what? That was exactly my question. Gli- gl- what do we need flying squirrels in Asia for? Uh, like, I I kind of get the whole you know, uh, uh, tusks, <laughs> the the ivory from the tusks. I get that because it's kind of a rare commodity and you can do do cool shit with it. What do you do with a flying squirrel exactly? Besides, maybe have it as a pet. So the. Excuse me. The Florida dealers involved in the plot sold the creatures to buyers from South Korea, according to FWC. The dealers employed a complex travel scheme that spanned over Illinois, Georgia, to move the squirrels before they were ultimately transported to Asia. Now, according to the commission, the poachers deployed as many as 10,000 squirrel traps in the state and captured roughly 3,600 flying squirrels over the course of three years. The international retail value of the poached wildlife, according to the FWC, exceeds $1 million. So there's your answer. Why is it illegal to sell them? He says that's nuts. Dude, I appreciate the pun. That is absolutely nuts. Makes you sad, Becky? I get it. I I don't know. I don't know. Rocky and Bullwinkle. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe that's, maybe, see, now that would be an interesting story. Flying squirrels being smuggled to Russia. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, so basically the company called Hyam Creative based in South Korea paid Rodney Credle Knox, one, uh, one of the men charged in the scheme, over 200000 between November 2017 and April 2020. 66-year-old Knox has been charged with racketeering, money laundering, grand theft. According to commission, the charges could s- send him to prison for up to 30 years, according to National Geographic. Okay, so first of all, we, apparently we have a black market for flying squirrels I didn't fucking know about. That's amazing, first of all. Okay. Second of all, 30, what was it? Oh, I forgot the number already. 3,600 flying squirrels. Like, come on, man. Come on, folks. I can't be stealing these flying squirrels. You're wrecking the environment. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, like, (laughs) there's a black market for squirrels, flying squirrels. 
And for 3,600 flying squirrels, I could make a, over a million dollars. Like that totally like, okay, my investment is what? Uh, 10,000 squirrel traps, um, an elaborate plan and scheme, some teammates, and maybe not hire the fucking narc that told on us for poaching the squirrels in the first place. Bastard. So, um, now, now here's, here's, <laughs> that got me, that got me. Um, we got 30 years they, the, and, and, and this is one thing, you know, he's got, he's got uh, in trouble for this crime of, of, you know, stealing squirrels, poaching squirrels and w- the punishment because the law enforcement officials are lovely law enforcement officials like to try to stack up charges on people to get the maximum possible sentence in, in fear that, you know, some of it won't stick. So if all the, if all the charges stick, according to this article, the charges could get him up to 30 years. That's ridiculous. 30 years. I don't care who you are. 30 years for smuggling some squirrels. Like, can you imagine? I'm sitting there in jail, and I'm sitting there next to Bubba, and he's like, yep, I'm in here for, like, murder in a town of uh, nice ladies. They were all nice ladies, and I murdered all of them. What about you, bud? What are you in for? Well, (laughs) funny story. (laughs) I massacred a villain of Village of Squirrels. (laughs) That's what I did. Like, I'm sorry, I would have to, I would have no choice if I'm in prison to sit there and make up some shit that I did to make it sound way worse, because there's no damn way in hell I'm going in there and telling people that I got arrested and I'm in here for 30 years because I smuggled squirrels to Asia. Not a chance in hell. Fuck all that. (laughs) So he literally, yeah, he literally just sold squirrels. Okay, so Lady Dell says he should be punished, but that's more time than most rapists. Exactly. Think about that. Think about that. Some people get in trouble for some real, actual, heinous shit. I could care less about some squirrels, man. I did a squirrel, dude, you rock, says the murderer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you in for? I did a squirrel. Got caught on camera outside in the Wendy's parking lot. <clears throat> I'm sorry. That just, <laughs> just can't get any worse. Uh, maybe that's how they made American COVID. Fucking squirrels. You know, that, that's just, this is why this is the show for highbrow ideas and lowbrow packaging. This is exactly why, because, you know, you never know what kind of shit we're going to come up with our collective imagination. This is ridiculous. I can't. Uh, all right. So see if there's anything else interesting. OK. Oh, a total of 25 felony charges have been made and additional charges and arrests may be pending. What? He's, he's already got 25 charges, man. I don't know. Maybe it's just talking about everybody. I don't want to read more. All right, we got it. 30 years, and there's a rapist who gets less time shaking my head. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. And that's why we don't put our justice system in the hands of the federal government or state government or local government. You know, I'm sorry, we don't. It should be all private market. I think everybody would actually get, you know, more fair sentences that would actually make sense. It would actually serve the community and actually keep these people out of the community. And if you're going to, like, sell squirrels, like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. What do you do about this? Like, I'm sitting here thinking about these things. You know, I always think from an anarchist perspective, okay, what would we do in this situation in a free society? How would we prevent some dude smuggling squirrels to Asia? Would that even be an issue? Would we even give a crap? Like, okay, would there be like some kind of insurance to cover squirrels? I don't know, man. I don't know. I would love to hear some solutions. I'm sure there's some solutions. And I guess the question is, why does he feel like this is his way of making money? Why does he feel like, why is there a black market for squirrels? That's the question. I didn't even answer that. 
All I answered is that the squirrels are worth something and he got some money for it and he's going to jail for it. That is really weird. I'm I'm curious now. I'm going to look that up real quick. So we got a black market for uh, flying squirrels in uh, South Korea. And as soon as I hit this enter key, feds will be at my door for trying to arrest me for smuggling squirrels. Uh, it's just more, more on that story. I don't care about the story. I just want to know why is there a black market for flanks? What do they want them for? <sighs> oh, well, we'll figure it out lady. later. If anybody has any answers, I'd like to know <laughs> why are they so valuable? Do they like, do they like cut off their little wings, their little gliders and stitch them into like a big giant quilt that they can like glide off cliffs with? Is that what they do? Maybe that's what they do. Like some kind of like, uh, uh, what's it called? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre where he like stitches people's body parts together and shit and wears their skin. Why do Americans want ferrets? That is also a good question. I've known people that wanted ferrets, had ferrets. I don't know. Those are some creepy looking things. Lady Della quilts. Hey, listen, lady, I got a, I got a proposition for you. You did a fantastic job on that shirt. Now, I know if I got you some flying squirrels, you could make me one hell of a flying squirrel quilt that you know push comes to shove if the danger happens and i need to like take a running leap off a cliff i can bust that bitch out strap it to my shoulders and i can get away all right this shouldn't even be illegal dude sold a rodent now i do know that there is some level of trying to maintain the environmental like the idea of not messing things up any more than we already have you know that that idea that we've brought like what is it rabbits and shit over and foxes or whatever over to australia and now they're trying to deal with that by bringing another invasive species in and then we've got that kudzu plant the the the, the ivy that grows all over the place that they're bringing over here and you know there there is something to be said about trying not to do that i guess but flying squirrels man <laughs> I don't know maybe they're just fucking bored out of their gourd maybe they really are a delicacy over there maybe they like them glorified rat beat your argument I'll give you that I'll give you that they already eat <laughs> they already ate the damn bats why do they need the squirrels different country Becky come on you racist what the hell's wrong with you alright so to round out the evening I want to talk about voting you guys are getting ready to vote in a few days I understand what is it less than two weeks away something like that Voting day is coming up, and I've been posting a number of articles that seems to be rather inflammatory lately, and people really aren't liking what I have to say. Some people are kind of agreeing, but still like, yeah, we're going to vote anyway. And it has to do with just the general... Okay. The general principles are that taxation is theft. I don't know if you guys agree with that, disagree with that, but I start from there, and I work my way out from there, and... I am a firm believer that taxation is, in fact, theft. Trump 2020. All right. Agree. Okay, so if, 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 if you look up the definitions of taxation and you look up the de- definition of theft, they're, they're damn near the same definition, the only difference being legality. And it was brought to my attention recently that actually the legality isn't even, isn't even real. They're, like, there's no legal standard for taxation. They're, they're just not any any of the tax laws you look into there's no there's nothing in there that says like hey this is constitutional this is legal this is a thing we can do but somehow we've just kind of agreed to it somewhere along the line and then we've had multiple generations grow up with that very same process going on and it's just it's normalized now and nobody thinks about it 
If taxation is theft, what is money printing? Also theft. Also theft. Especially if your money supply is controlled by one entity. There should be a free... Uh, in, in order to recognize that there's an actual free market, I heard a long time ago, is you need to have a free market in money. And that did not make a lick of sense to me at all. Until recently. When I realized that, oh, money itself is a commodity that needs to be able to be traded freely. And as long as somebody's controlling the money supply... You don't have a free market. So you want to talk about capitalism and capitalists ruining everything. I would I would challenge you to point me to a single source of capitalism utopia at all or, or any or any example where there's actually been true capitalism. So let me get back to it. Um, taxation theft. So I made the jump from taxation being theft and recognizing the immorality of it. And recognizing that the government's only sole source of income is through theft, is through taxation. There's no other possible way, or, sorry, I don't want to say there's no other possible way. There currently is no other way that they are funded. Dan says, never forget they only got income taxes ta uh, passed as an amendment after promising they'd only do it by 1% on the top 1%. How'd that work out? Mm-hmm. That's exactly true. That's how all these things start. They turn that heat on real low, and then they work it up. They work it up. So, you start with taxation as theft. You recognize that the government can only operate via theft. And then, at some point, after hearing these arguments, I did end up becoming an anarchist, because it's like, I can't justifiably say I'm a Democrat or a Republican or any other party, because the ends for me don't justify the means. As I said in a post uh, on Facebook, if you don't follow me on Facebook, don't bother because I'm not going to be there much longer. Go ahead and follow me elsewhere. But as I said, is um, I really don't care if the money is going to some kind of underfunded orphanage ran by rocking chair bound elderly quilting ladies. I, I don't care what the ends are. It's wrong to steal to begin with. So anything that happens from that point forward, I, I'm not going to sit there and participate in a system where I have to choose the lesser of two evils because it's still evil. I'm not going to participate. If I can minimize my level of involvement with government, then that's what I'll do. Slowly but surely, I'm trying my best to minimize my exposure to government. I try to do everything as free as I can. Lady Della says, I've been libertarian for more than 20 years. The private sector has better local solutions. Uh, absolutely. Because they know the community. So we've got um, an immoral system that I'm trying to minimize my exposure to. And in order to vote is literally participating in an immoral system. I don't have any need for it. And quite frankly, shame on any of you who, after hearing this, still feel the need to go vote. Because you are now complicit in an evil system. You're complicit in stealing money from people against their will and trying to make yourselves feel good about it that, well, I'm picking the lesser of two evils. I'm, I'm picking the guy that's going to go ahead and, and do the things I want him to do. Sorry, you're still participating in evil. This is from plato.stanford.edu. It says, one major argument for compulsory voting is that we might call the demographic or representativeness argument 
the argument begins by noting that in voluntary voting regimes, citizens who choose to vote are systematically different from those who choose to abstain. The rich are more likely to vote than the poor, the old are more likely to vote than the young, the men are more likely to vote than the women, and in many countries, ethnic minorities are less likely to vote than ethnic majorities. More highly educated people are more likely to vote than less highly educated people. Married people are more likely to vote than non-married people, etc., etc., etc. If you have a voluntary system, you have this situation where the type of people that are willing to vote are the ones that are going to be in control. And I almost wonder, you know, I, I don't want to hold it against people too much. You know, yeah, I say shame on you and I, and I, and I, and I, I don't, I don't look down on people who vote because I do, I do kind of understand part of it is you're scared of your fellow citizens. You're scared of those people that are going to vote regardless of what the arguments are. You're scared of everybody else is going to vote the way that you would hope not to vote if you did vote. So you feel like you're kind of still in a compulsory system regardless of your the fact that you have the choice not to vote or not you're scared of people you're scared of other people and that's understandable because other people are fucking stupid what was it dan carlin was talking about how you know you think about the average person and how how dumb they are well half of them are dumber than that and they get to vote that's a problem facebook actively censors opinions it doesn't like and promotes corrosive causes that's absolutely true this is why we're on other Social media platforms. Um, I'd argue transitional woke corporations such as Facebook are as damaging to society as the go. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's definitely something to be said about that too. And here's the thing: um, Would these companies be as corrosive if they if there wasn't such an incentive for them to be corrosive in the political sphere? If the political sphere wasn't a thing we had to contend with in the first place. So that's the question. If the if if we didn't have to feel like if we like okay, I can understand where they're coming from. If I feel like okay, this Trump guy is literally going to be the end of our world as we know it. People are going to die in the streets if Trump gets elected again. I have this very powerful platform that I can use to push the uh, the, the election one way or another. You know, I have some some say in this. I can I can do it where people don't know I'm doing it. So, you know, well, somebody brought that up to me, the, the invisible ring kind of theory. I forgot what the, the, the theory was called, where if you had an invisible ring, all of a sudden your morals would go out the window. You'd go ahead and just do whatever the hell you wanted to do. And I wonder if there's some level of that, where they kind of have this invisibility cloak about them, where they can kind of get away with it. Of course, some of it's starting to come out. Facebook can uh, enforce a tyranny, and yet because it's, a private company, libertarians don't criticize it. I'm not really sure what the solution is. I don't, I don't, I've never claimed to have all the solutions. That's, that's one thing that drives me nuts as, a, as an anarchist. Well, without government, how do we do this and that? I don't give a shit how we do it. All I know is it's wrong to steal from people and we need to fucking change it. Find another way. We're smart. We can figure it out. Stacy asks, what's your opinion on monopolies and antitrust laws? I have no problem with monopolies at all. Um, because, it, I mean, okay, I have no problem with monopolies in a free market scenario. And if you have a problem with monopolies, then you should definitely, definitely have a problem with government because they are the ultimate monopoly. They have the monopoly on force and control and power within a geographical boundary. That's literally what they are. 
they are the ultimate monopoly. And you can't say, you can't then go to that monopoly and say, listen, we have a problem with private market monopolies. We're going to need you to go ahead and stop that, okay? And we're going to need you to go ahead and head on over there and break up Facebook for me, would you? Thanks, sweetie. Um, yeah, it, it makes no logical sense when you actually think about the mechanics of what you're asking to be done. It's like, people, you got you to gotta take 10 seconds to think this through. Like, think about what you're doing, you're, who you're asking, what's, what's the... What's the goal here? Now, if as I as I said before, I do not have a problem with monopolies in general. Because if somebody has achieved a monopoly over something, it's probably for good reason, for good cause because they have literally the best service, literally the best price, and and people are fucking thrilled with their product and their or their service or what have you. And they have just earned it. That's not to say they can't, you know, there's no way for them to to cheat around it and you know i don't know there's there's a whole philosophy behind it of course again i don't have all the answers but i do i do want to read this piece that i wrote earlier a couple of them because i think they really highlight my points here better than i can do just talking uh, i never thought about monopolies that way daniel you've given me something to think about oh i am so sorry i apologize we, we try really really hard not to give people to think about uh, give people things to think about here. That's not our. That's not our show, man. It's not what we do. Um, all right. So voluntary versus involuntary is how I titled this one. And, uh, no matter which way you spin it or attempt to justify it, taxation by definition is compulsory and immoral. It is legalized theft. The ends do not justify the means. I frankly don't care if the money goes directly to starving children with anime eyes in an underfunded orphanage ran by rocking chair bound knitting grannies. People have managed to justify it by telling themselves the proceeds of taxation are going to a good cause. That they're okay with it because they have no illusions that they somehow, through voting, get to have a say in how it's spent. Hint, you don't. These are by-the-book symptoms of Stockholm Syndrome. Okay? Number one, the victim develops positive feelings toward the person holding them captive or abusing them. In this case, the state. Number two, the victim develops negative feelings toward police, authority figures, and anyone, like me, who might be trying to help them get away from their captor. They may even refuse to cooperate against their captor, you know, like pledging the allegiance, pledging allegiance, for example. Number three, the victim begins to perceive their captor's humanity and believe that they have the same goals and values. Hint, they don't. They very much don't. All right. So there was a time in history when people looked at slavery the way people currently look at taxation. And in the future, people will be, people will be mortified and appalled that we used to operate society this way. And I, I do firmly believe that. That there's, there's this level of immorality in theft that, like, it's literally one of the Ten Commandments. One of the, one of the highest regarded Christian values. And the very same Christians can then turn around completely like devoid of the fact of what they're doing here and say, Oh, go Trump 2020. It's like, dude, you got to think your shit. You can't compartmentalize your religion and your government. You got to be able to have some philosophy that can encompass everything. Like you got to have a philosophy that encompasses your parenting, your government, your, your, your schooling, your religion, <laughs> like all of that stuff has to kind of work. Otherwise, you're kind of like got this cognitive bias thing going on over here going, well, theft is not okay for me, but it's perfectly okay for old Uncle Sam. 
because I need stuff and people are hurting and we got to help them. And I got politicians telling me I'm going to get some free stuff. The Dems publics run on this. Let me take care of you crap. Don't think for yourself. That's my government job. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, and as long as that's the job, as long as that's the job, like what incentive do you have? Like if your job is trying to help people and save people from themselves and trying to come up with policies that, that make life better for folks and you're getting paid by these very folks that you're apparently trying to save and you're getting it regardless of whether you actually save them or not, what incentive do you have to actually save them? What incentive do you have to go in and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pretend to help you that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pretend to help you. But really, we're not going to solve anything. We're just going to go ahead and keep making matters worse because I don't want to lose my job. I got some cushy benefits here. I'm not getting rewarded for solving problems here. So why would I solve the problems? Like, why? Why in the world would I want to solve your problems? I just need to give you the illusion that I'm solving the problems. See, and then we've got the problem solved, right? As long as you get paid, you stop caring. Now, that's not true necessarily because, say, if you apply that to a private market scenario, like, for example, I get paid for going out and helping customers uh, with remodels and helping them upgrade their homes and helping them, you know, install a giant complicated bathtub that's been a pain in my ass for the last week. But if I go in there and do a good job, I have an incentive because then I get to keep working. But if I know that those people, no matter what I do, they're just, I'm, I'm going to be able to go back to their house and keep working over and over and over again and keep taking money from them. I have no incentive to do a good job. I want to have an incentive to do a good job because I, first of all, I feel pride in the work that I do. I think we do an excellent job. And for those customers to then go, man, that looks great. You know, the customer says the other day, you guys are so honest. I, pr I do appreciate that, you know, because people are nervous around, you know, construction types. They, they don't know if we're being honest or not. Kind of like used car salesmen. They don't know if we're always being honest. They always feel like we're overcharging them. But you know what? I, get, I, I went and took a two-hour trip up to Tullahoma, or an hour trip up to Tullahoma, an hour back, to pick up some floors on the cheap, some, some LVP laminate floors for them. Got it at 114 bucks. No tax weekend. It was awesome. It was cheaper than I had originally quoted them. They gave me some cash so I can go get it. I brought it back, gave them the receipt, gave them their change. I showed them exactly what I did for them, and there was they were thrilled. That right there was incentive for me because I know they're going to rehire me at some point. Next project they have in mind, they're going to come and call us up. And it's an incentive for them because they know that they're going to get what they want. I mean, it's it's a it's a win-win for both sides, and it's basic, common, you know, decency, really. Totally agree with private sector perspective. Government sector is a whole different story. Yeah. So, just curious, lady, do you have a reason? Is there a reason why you do do you do you feel like the government is necessary? Um, at all, like period, for anything, even the min bare minimum. Uh, right, so this is the shame on you angle that I came up with, and let's see what you guys think about this, because I really am curious.
if I'm just being an asshole or if I'm actually making some sense here. So basically, it goes something like this. If you think it's okay to steal from me against my will, shame on you. If you think it's okay to elect someone to steal from me on your behalf because you're too scared to do it yourself, shame on you. If you think it's okay to quote-unquote vote about how best to spend the plunder from the pockets of the people, then shame on you. If you think it's okay to directly participate in the system of evil and immorality with full knowledge of the corruption from all sides, shame on you. I don't care how patriotic you think you are. I don't care how many flags you pledge to. I don't care how duty-bound you feel. I don't care which crook's name is proudly posted in your front yard. Shame on you. Um, in light of new knowledge, as it was brought up earlier, you know, you necessarily must change. If you hear a perspective that totally makes you go, oh, shit, don't ignore it. Look into it. Try to prove it wrong. Maybe I am a, I'm completely wrong, but here, as far as I could tell, I could not, I couldn't find any way to prove this wrong. You know, not, not to satisfy me anyway. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen the right textbook or heard the right podcast or whatever the case is. But if you still go to the voting booths on November 4th with full knowledge of what you're participating in after hearing this episode... After understanding and even agreeing that taxation is theft, after understanding and knowing all of the corruption that's drawn into the mainstream government state process, like at some point you have to you have to change your behavior, or or at least at the very least, be honest, admit what you're doing. Just say, "Yeah, I am okay. I feel like it is necessary to steal from people, hundred percent, because we need these roads." I'm perfectly okay with theft. I think theft's immoral, but I'm going to do it anyway. You have you have to say these things, or or you're or you're going to be constantly at odds with yourself and your own moral principles. If moral principles are important to you, then you got to change. Don't go vote on November fourth. Y'all have been watching the Unframe of Mind show, where we have uncomfortable conversations without a condom. I've been your host, Daniel Wagner. And if you go vote November fourth, shame on you. All right. <laughs>